Welcome to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William, featuring award-winning financial advisor and former host of the Sunday Money Show, News Talk 1010, Paul Baraka and his associate advisor, William Baraka. Creating and keeping wealth does not need to be complicated. Paul and William will cut through confusing and contradictory financial advice to give you the real facts to help you invest better and enjoy a worry-free retirement. The views and opinions expressed in this video may not necessarily reflect those of IPC Securities Corporation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Welcome everyone to number 18 in Retirement Straight Truck with Paul and William. Welcome everyone who's watching us on YouTube and whatever uh, podcast process system you're on. Uh, Today, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about your portfolio, whether you want to own individual stocks in your portfolio or whether you want to have a different solution. Of course, I'm here with with William, my associate advisor and certified financial planner, William Bereka. And William, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, Paul. How about you? <laughs> always good, always good. So, so this is often a big topic, isn't it? People come and they, I, I think a lot of people maybe they find owning individual stocks more fun, more exciting than owning a more boring solution. But we'll talk yeah. about you know what tends to work better in the long run. Well, it's more, it's definitely more fun. It's more exciting to own, you know, an individual share, maybe feel more of a connection to the company you're you're buying. Um, and also there's that lure of everyone's heard the story oh, of yeah. someone getting rich on this stock or everyone's seen those statistics on how much money you would have had if you bought Apple shares at its IPO or, or whatever it is. There, There's all those different stories out there that make it really oh, yeah. alluring. One piece of information that really has virtually no value, exactly. uh, except maybe to trend people in the wrong direction. Uh, you could pick any stock and say, well, here's how well you would have done. You could pick up miserable stocks and say you would have lost all your money. Well, that, that, that's you, what you, we're going to talk about today. So that's why I'm going to argue mostly today that most people yeah. uh, should not buy individual stocks. And one of the reasons, Paul, is first of all, I think pe- most people really underestimate how hard it is uh, to yeah. succeed buying individual shares. Um, it's really yeah, you've a lot got some hard- statistics on that, right? Yeah, it's a lot harder than it sounds because actually, if you look historically, even though if you look at like broad indexes, so the Toronto Stock Exchange, the Sanders and Poor Five Hundred in the states, for example, long term mm-hmm. they provide really good wealth for long term investors. But most Very good of the, numbers, yeah. Most of the the stocks in those indexes actually don't do well at all. Um, and most so the, people don't realize that, do they? Most people don't realize that. The majority I don't, think don't so. do well. From my experience, most people don't realize it. Um, again, most stocks don't do well. So the good performance you get from these indexes is really just a lot of, or sorry, a small amount of companies propping up all the other bad performers. Mm-hmm. For example, I looked at, or this is statistics from JP Morgan, who looked at the Russell 3000, which is just the 3000 biggest companies in the United States. So just a good representation of the US stock market. And from 1980 to 2020, 
over 40% of stocks in the Russell 3000 lost money. Over 40%. No, that's, over, that's over how many years? That's over 40 years. It's from right? 1980 to 2020. While, and then beyond that, two thirds of stocks in that same index actually underperformed the Russell 3000. So 40% lost money over that time period and another two thirds underperformed the index it was in. So basically to outperform this index or any index, the same applies throughout you know, the TSX, the standard and pours, you have to be able to think you're smart enough to be able to pick one of those small amount of companies that did better than everyone else. Really, really hard to do. You know, it's interesting if you look at the hedge fund managers also, and these people deal with super billions amounts of money. Ackerman, I believe, is one. They expect out of 20 Bill positions. Ackman, are you saying? Ackman, yeah, sorry. Ackman, and I remember hearing him, and he says, look, we expect out of maybe 20 positions, we expect maybe one or two to be the 20 baggers, the ones that really do well. We expect the majority of our positions to lose money, but they make so much on those one or two that it provides them a good long-term return. Exactly the same thing as we're talking here about the market as a whole. That's it. And I mean, picking stocks again, I don't think people realize this, the average person realizes this at home, but even professional investors, people who do this for a living, so not just yeah. you know, your yeah. average person at home, even they struggle to beat their benchmark over long time periods. Spiva, an organization, puts out data all the time about this. And over a ten, the 10 year period ending December 31st, 2021, over 83% of US large cap uh, stock managers underperformed their benchmark, which was the SP 500. So, again, yeah, that's... That, that leaves out, Paul, people just at home kind of doing this on the side. This is studying professional people who do this every day for a living. They have huge research teams, huge, you know, all these analysts and everything like that. And even, you know, 83% of them did not beat their index. Yeah. And I know that's what we talk to our clients about often. We say, look, let's, for the most part, let's just buy an index. It's cheaper. And that's what, what does Warren Buffett say? The great majority of people, you just buy an index. Don't yeah. try to pick stocks. He says like uh, 99% of people, I think, should, should buy an index, something yeah. like that. Oh. Um, so now, just because these professionals struggle to do it, it doesn't mean you can't, obviously. Obviously, there's the always exceptions to the rule. But based on all these numbers, the odds aren't in your favor. You've got a great example of Microsoft there, don't you? Yeah, so I want to get to that in a bit. Like, so that's what I want to talk about now. With mm -hmm. if you do decide you're you, you can do it, you're the exception to the rule. You have to decide what's your process going to be. How am I going to pick these stocks? A common strategy I think me and you here is just to buy. You know, I'm buy, all I do is buy good solid blue chip companies. Is kind of the the common saying we hear a lot. But yes, even, even that, Paul. That's not a strategy because you can have the best companies in the world. If they aren't priced correctly, you can still lose money on them because it's not just enough to pick a really good company. You have to be, you have to pay a good price for it too. So this is where Microsoft comes in. One of the most dominant, successful companies of all time. 
from and if you'd bought that stock at its peak in 2000 which was right before the tech bubble burst it would have taken you over 14 years just to break even now that's something we often hear from clients who say oh here's this company great blue chip company but that's not that relevant. Yes, it's important. But as you say, if they don't buy it at the right time, they could be sitting on a dog for year after year after year that doesn't make them money. Absolutely. Um, just because it's a great company does not mean it's a great investment. Yes, the, the best companies in the world can still be overvalued. During those 14 years, Microsoft wasn't any less dominant. It was one of the best companies in the world. But it was it was overvalued for a long time, so it didn't make it a good investment. You got some suggestions here because some uh, we've got some of our clients like this, where they go, they just they they're too allured by the fun and they want to keep a little bit of money on the side and buy a couple of companies, and that's fine. You know what? If if you're saying okay, I'm going to take two or three percent of my portfolio, or maybe up to five percent, and you want to have fun with it, so. Even if you do really lousy in the long run, it's not going to do a lot of damage. You know, if you if you really want to have fun, that's okay. Where, oh, listen, here's this is a, a story here. We got just a bit of time. I had a client come in or a, a person come in to me a number of years ago. This person had a good size portfolio, and the person told me says, "Look at Paul. I've been doing the, doing my own portfolio stock picking for years, and I do lousy at it. I've never made money. I've never, I'm horrible at this." But he liked the fun was so much for him, was so good, he couldn't stop doing it. And I told him this, he says, you're not going to let me handle your portfolio, are you? Because you cannot not do it yourself. And he says, you're right, Paul. And that's unfortunate because for them, you want to decide, is it more important to have fun or have a comfortable life and have money? <laughs> to that's me, that's it. an easy decision. <laughs> to, me, to me too, Paul, I, I'm with you 100%. So... Yeah, to, to people out there who do like picking stocks, I, I get it. It's fun. I get it. But keep it, you know, keep it around 5 to 10% or so of your overall portfolio. Put the rest of your really serious money in more diversified products. You can buy an index very cheaply and not have to worry about doing all this. Um, I, in my opinion, your your money is too important to play with like that. Absolutely. It's just like a casino. You know, they say if you want to go into a casino, you like uh, the casino, take an amount of money you're prepared to lose and that's it. Take it. And if you lose it, you walk out of the casino and that's OK. You've had that amount of fun. Kind of a similar aspect uh, when you're investing in your portfolio. Yeah, I think we're pretty well done today. And by the way, I want to match the next retirement straight talk with Paula William. We're going to talk about a topic that almost everyone is interested in how much is enough. In other words, how much is enough to have the retirement you want? People always want to talk about that. So don't miss it. That's the next one. Straight talk. Also, if you like what you heard today, please rate us, please subscribe. I said, Hey, feel free to pass us on to others who may be interested in hearing the same information. And of course, you know, if you see a gap in your own financial situation and you'd like to start a conversation with us, you can email us at info at westendwealth.com, info at westendwealth.com. By the way, you can in, uh, email us and, and say something like, hey, why don't you guys talk about this? I'm really interested in that. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, info at westendwealth.com. I think that's Thanks. it for today. Thanks, everyone. We'll see, uh, we'll see, you, uh, see you next week. See you next week. Have a good one now. Bye-bye.
This podcast was brought to you by West End Wealth Planning, an award-winning wealth planning practice catering to small and medium-sized business owners and to those looking to create a worry-free retirement for themselves and their families. To learn more, go to westendwealth.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.